From the Museum of Science, Boston, this is Pulsar, a podcast where experts answer questions from you, our audience. I'm your host, Eric O'Day. Thanks to Facebook Boston for supporting this episode of Pulsar. In episode 27, we talked about exoplanets, worlds that are orbiting stars far away from our solar system. We mentioned that scientists have discovered over 4,000 exoplanets, and several people wanted to know how we search for them. So we asked Dr. Rob Zellum from NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory about his new project, Exoplanet Watch, that will allow amateur astronomers using telescopes in their backyards to help search for these alien worlds. Dr. Zellum, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really, really appreciate the opportunity. So to start, can you give us an overview of what Exoplanet Watch is all about? Yeah, so Exoplanet Watch is a citizen science project for amateur astronomers and other citizen scientists to actually observe transiting exoplanets using small telescopes. So telescopes on the order of about six inches, even potentially a little bit smaller than that. So where Exoplanet Watch is trying to do is we're trying to figure out exactly when a transit occurs. So a transit is when, if you're looking at a star, Occasionally, if you're lucky, a planet will actually orbit in front of that star and block out the star's light, and it'll actually cast a shadow on the Earth. And by how much light that planet blocks out as it passes in front of its host star, tells us how big the planet is relative to the star. So it actually allows us to directly measure the size of the exoplanet. You can also use this method to observe and characterize the atmospheres of these exoplanets. So for example, if we use a large ground-based observatory or Hubble or eventually the James Webb Space Telescope or the European Space Agency's aerial mission, if we use these instruments and observe when a transit occurs, we can then actually also observe how the atmosphere of the exoplanet absorbs the light from its host star. And if a planet, for example, absorbs light at one wavelength, we can then infer that that planet has methane in its atmosphere. If we see that planet absorbing light more strongly at other wavelengths, we can infer that that planet has carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide in its atmosphere. But in order to use the transit method, we have to know precisely when that planet passes in front of its host star, casting that shadow on the Earth. And this is where small telescopes can really um, contribute significantly to this study in the sense that small telescopes can precisely determine and predict when that next transit event will occur. And by knowing precisely when these events will occur, we can then more efficiently use large telescopes like James Webb, like ground-based observatories, use them more efficiently, enabling additional science. So not just additional exoplanets, because we're effectively wasting less time by waiting for a transit to occur, we can look at more transiting exoplanets. We can also be doing a lot of other cool science as well. So Exoplanet Watch is actually funded and supported by NASA's Universal Learning, which is a NASA grant awarded to the Space Telescope Science Institute. I just wanted to say thank you to them for their support of this project. The Universal Learning is aiming to increase participation of the public in talking to subject matter experts in science and astronomy and this is a partnership between Caltech IPAC, Center for Astrophysics, Harvard, and Smithsonian, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and Sonoma State University. So it's really exciting that we're able to detect these exoplanets at all, but typically when we hear about a new one discovered in the news, 
like you said, it's a giant space-based observatory or something on the ground that's one of the world-class telescopes. So how can it be that a backyard telescope that someone could set up and that's just six inches across, you can carry out to your backyard, how can that be able to detect evidence of an exoplanet? Yeah, it's actually really incredible what these small telescopes can do. And really the reason why we're able to observe so many exoplanets with even smaller telescopes is because James Webb, Hubble, any future mission, we want to get really high precision measurements with high signal-to-noise ratios. And to do that, you want to look at bright stars because bright stars have a lot more photons, a lot more information, and they allow for very precise measurements. But since these missions are looking at bright stars, these are also the same stars and same targets that are available to look at with small telescopes. So there's actually a bunch of different ground-based surveys that are discovering transiting exoplanets. NASA launched a mission called Kepler a few years ago that discovered a few thousand exoplanets. And right now we have a satellite in orbit called TESS, which is going to be discovering 10,000 new exoplanets. And these are primarily exoplanets that block out a lot of light from their host star, so it's a much easier signal to see, but they're also orbiting bright stars. These are targets that are accessible to small telescopes. For example, someone used a small DSLR camera, made a simple tracking mechanism, was able to actually to observe a transit even just from a DSLR camera. This work we've been doing on Exoplanet Watch has mostly been brought to our attention by a project called DIY Planet Search through the Microobservatory Telescopes. This is a network of six-inch telescopes that are robotically controlled. There's some in Tucson and some in Cambridge. And I believe there's also one now in South America where they're routinely doing astrophotography every single night. And one telescope is dedicated to observing transiting exoplanets. And by looking at this data, I was just really blown away by the quality of the data. Even though it's from a small telescope, the star was even relatively dim. The tracking wasn't perfect. And yet, at the end of the day, you've got this really, really precise high signal to noise ratio transit. And this sort of made me think that if we can do this with this one six-inch telescope, then really amateur astronomers that are awesome at astrophotography that wanted to observe another world hundreds upon millions of miles away from us can totally do so. And amateur astronomers have a really tight-knit community, but they're also really passionate about what they do. Have you talked to any of them? Are they excited about potentially contributing to research and discovering or characterizing exoplanets? Yeah, yeah. It's been great working with amateur astronomers. I just got a message a few days ago that one told me that they were just amazed they were able to see a transit from their setup. And conversely, we have a channel on our Slack channel where they're able to post all of their amazing astro photos. And I'm always blown away about the quality of the nebula, the comets, the galaxies that they're able to take themselves. So it's really, really rewarding experience for me and for them as well. I'm finding that the amateur astronomer community, astrophotography communities are really excited to be able to contribute directly to NASA missions in this way. You mentioned that it's possible to observe a transiting exoplanet with just a camera, which really highlights how far technology has come in the last hundred years or so. Scientists don't have to sit and stare through a telescope eyepiece anymore. It's all about capturing as much light as possible from your telescope on camera. So can you talk about the camera technology that makes this all possible? 
Yeah, and I would actually argue that digital cameras is one of the reasons why exoplanet science has been possible. So the idea of exoplanets, of planets orbiting around other stars external to our own solar system is not a brand new idea. This idea has been around for hundreds of years. Even Isaac Newton, when he wrote about his theory of gravity in Principia, postulated that there are other solar systems external to our own. But it's only been the last 20 to 30 years that exoplanet science as a form of astronomy was really born with the first discovery of an exoplanet in the mid-90s. And that's because our technology was able to advance to a point where we knew where to look and when to look and how to look. And a lot of that advancement has come along through digital cameras. So previously in astronomy, you took data, you took images on these large photographic glass plates. By taking data now digitally on digital cameras, you can actually look at your data in real time. You can then achieve higher precision observations. You can more easily see the little dip in light, typically on the order of about 1% at best of when a planet passes in front of a star. So yeah, digital cameras really have revolutionized the field of astronomy and particularly exoplanetary astronomy. Now, Exoplanet Watch has amateur astronomers looking not just for these transits, but also just monitoring the stars over long periods of time to measure how their brightness might change for other reasons. So can you talk about that and why it's so important? Yeah, so stars, just like our own sun, they have activity cycles. So our own sun has star spots. These are regions on the sun that are a little bit cooler due to magnetic activity. And what that does is it causes a star to become a little bit dimmer or a little bit brighter. So if it has like a coronal mass ejection where it ejects a giant plume of plasma gas out into space, that can cause the star to look a little bit brighter. Star spots can cause the star to look a little bit cooler. And our own sun goes under an activity cycle every decade or so of this inactivity versus activity. And then other stars actually similarly have activity cycles as well. And actually, some stars are many times more active than our own sun. And the reason we care about assessing stellar variability is because it directly impacts the transit that you measure. So if a star gets a little bit brighter, that causes the transit depth to get a little bit smaller. You mistakenly would think the planet got a little bit smaller. So what you have to do is you need to monitor these host stars over very long baselines, not just in the order of a few hours when the transit occurs, but actually weeks, months, even years in some cases, because the activity cycles of these stars can be on the order of years. And if we have a better grasp through observations enabled by small telescopes, hopefully participating in exoplanet watch, we can then get a better grasp on how that activity changes and alters the observed signal of the exoplanet and then correct for it. And understanding stellar variability and correcting for it is absolutely crucial to pushing future telescopes to higher precision measurements, such as the James Webb Space Telescope, which will be taking these observations of planets orbiting potentially active stars. All right, how can our listeners find out more and follow along with the project or maybe even participate? Yeah, so the easiest way to do that is you can just Google NASA Exoplanet Watch or go to exoplanets.nasa.gov forward exoplanet hyphen watch. And with this project, it's really open to everyone and anyone. We're trying to make this as accessible as possible. 
If you don't have a telescope, we're actually working on ways right now to get you hooked up with some data we actually have on hand from one of those six-inch telescopes, as well as some other telescopes around the world. If you're interested, please contact us. We have a data reduction program out there we need help testing with. It comes with sample transit data, so you can actually download that and reduce your own transiting exoplanet data within minutes. And we're actually looking for community feedback as well on making this better, improving it, and truly opening this up to everyone and anyone. All right, well, Dr. Zellum, thank you so much for talking with us, telling us about your project, and good luck in the search for exoplanets. Great. Thank you so much for having me. really appreciate it. If you'd like to have one of your questions answered by a visiting expert or a Museum of Science educator, you can email them to sciencequestions at mos.org. If you enjoyed this episode of Pulsar, don't forget to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or on Spotify, as well as leaving a rating or review for us. That's it for this episode of Pulsar. Join us again soon. Mm -hmm.